What's up, fellas? Uh, hope everything's going well for you guys. Uh, if you haven't yet, uh, go check out uh, RTP Premium. Uh, Coach Walls just added uh, weak power as well as long handoffs, and I'll be adding um, a film review of Offensive Line, uh, episode two of that, starting uh, next week. So I'll, I'll upload that next week to RTP Premium. So if you guys haven't yet, go check that out. Uh, you can still get the all-access pass to our first RTP Summit on our website. Uh, you guys can go check that out. And if you're an RTP Premium member, uh, you get a discount on that as well. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by GoRoute. GoRoute brings practice efficiency into the 21st century with on-field digital risk coaches. Trusted at practice by more than 350 high schools and 30-plus FBS and FCS teams, GoRoute allows coaches to instantly send scout cards and installs to players so they can stay up-tempo all practice without the need for binders or managing multiple huddles. Compatible with all major play-drawing systems and hand-drawn cards, GoRoute teams routinely double or triple their practice reps daily. If you value practice time and want the best preparation, then you need to go no scout cards with GoRoute. Learn more at www.goroute.com, which is G-O-R-O-U-T, email at sales at goroute.com, or just give them a call at 866-777-1448. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level with new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more. Sideline Power works one-on-one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. Throughout their expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. Visit them at sidelinepower.com, at info at sidelinepower.com by email, or give them a call at 800-496-4290. This episode is also brought to you by uh, Guardian Caps. Both of our programs uh, at Broken Arrow and Ankeny invested in Guardian Caps this year, and we feel that they are really helping our guys out. Uh, they're soft-shell helmet covers that reduce impact during practice and are used by over 100 colleges and 1,000 high schools. Texas, Clemson, Oklahoma are just a few of the colleges using them right now. Check out our show notes to see what Coach Lincoln Riley has to say about them at OU and to get some pricing. Uh, and they're actually a lot more affordable probably than you guys would even think. Uh, go check them out at guardiancaps.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Carter Whitson. Coach Whitson is the head coach at Martinsville High School in Martinsville, Indiana. Uh, listen as we talk with Coach Whitson about his unique journey through the game of football in Texas and Oklahoma, the benefits of being a coach's son, and a great conversation about his coaching philosophy. Uh, coach Whitson was actually one of the first guys that I remember playing for Broken Arrow. Um, when I was just a, a young pup and watching the high school, um, wanted to, everyone wanted to be like Carter Whitson, uh, looking up at you know all the young kids watching up at the high school. So uh, it was really really awesome for me to get back in touch with Coach Whitson and uh, talk some ball with him. You can follow Coach Whitson on Twitter at Carter Whitson. Hope you guys enjoy.
let's get it rolling, Coach. Um, I, I actually, I actually kind of know you a little bit um, through Broken Arrow. Uh, right. You were, you were at Broken Arrow when I was just a little pup. So I, <laughs> I remember, I remember the name. Um, I actually played football like in sixth, seventh grade with one of your relatives, and and um, I'm blanking on his name, but it was Derek. Either, yeah, it was. I don't know. I don't think it's Derek Whitson. Derek uh, or Blake. Blake Whitson. Yep. Blake's so, my youngest cousin. Cousin, yes. So yep. played with Blake in uh, in sixth and seventh grade, and and uh, so it, you know I was kind of growing up through that. And remembered <laughs> yeah. you at um, I believe it was you at OU. Uh, I yep. I know you said you played at OU. I don't know how many of the Whitsons did, but I remember a, a Whitson at OU, and so uh, kind of that was was one of the first. Uh, I knew a few names around Broken Arrow as I was growing up, obviously, but that was one of them. So I was excited when we. We kind of met up through Twitter, and and you said you'd you'd be willing to do this with us. So uh, wow. I'm excited to have you on, man. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, those were the ties that kind of connected us. But I've been listening to you guys for a little while, and you know, hoping you're hoping you're needing in some need of some Midwest football talk, and I can talk to you about what we got going on up here. But yeah, I spent you know just my senior year at Broken Arrow. Um, really loved it. You know, met some of my best friends. It was only there about a year, a little over. Um, some of the best friends in the world that I've got from there and, and uh, dad stayed there a few more years and then moved on to Texas so we don't get back to that area much um, but yeah that's that's the old alma mater <laughs> well and, and I saw um, I don't know if it was your is your dad was he with, at South Grand Prairie my dad is the head coach of South Grand Prairie he was a he was the head coach at Broken or we won state um, as a junior at Shawnee and then he took the Broken Arrow job, and obviously I went up there with him. And then I walked on at Oklahoma, and he stayed at Broken Arrow at BA, I think, two more years, and then went down to Richardson, Texas, and is now at South Grand Prairie and has been at South Grand Prairie for, I think, eight years. So, Yeah, so I actually ran into him at a, a Michigan clinic That's three exactly years right. ago. Yeah. yeah they, they were recruiting his kid that went to Ohio State, Okuda. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he, they flew him up there and did all that stuff, which was pretty cool. And then he ended up at Ohio State. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, well we got a little bit of a, of a uh, you know, a precursor of, of your football journey, but uh, we know how we always start these things is kind of have you just tell us uh, about your football journey and, and obviously through your playing days and then how that built into – uh, coaching career and 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 brought you to where you are now yeah no I uh I kind of grew up in a football family my grandpa was a football coach obviously my dad uh, was a football coach uh he actually didn't start full-time coaching high school ball till I was in fourth grade before that he was a CPA so we kind of bounced mm-hmm. around a little bit but then you know when he started coaching I was in fourth grade I mean, I vividly recall riding my bike from elementary school to his practices every day, and I was like, all right, I'm sold. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, we were down in Weatherford, Texas when that started. And then um, as I, you know, started playing ball in seventh and eighth grade, we moved to Shawnee, Oklahoma, where he took the head coaching job there. That was his first head coaching job in 2000. And uh, we stayed there for four years. We won a state championship in our last year there. and then. Moved on to Broken Arrow, like we talked about. I was there for one year and um, had a good senior year. Didn't had a little underwhelming senior year in comparison to what we did my junior year. Uh, had a little bit of a knee injury that I was playing through and, and fighting through for all year. 
uh, ended up making me causing me to walk on at Oklahoma, which was, you know, the best decision I could have made. Um, you know how it is playing at BA in front of 30,000 people. I really didn't want to go to NEO and play in front of 600. <laughs> right. So, you know, I'd seen the big time. I'd won a state championship, and I just I wanted to go to, to, to do it at the biggest level possible, and that was Oklahoma. So walked on there, played there for five years, lettered three years, uh, playing some special teams and trying to find my way on the field. Went there as a quarterback, and they brought in a guy named Sam Bradford, so I figured I'd better move positions. <laughs> Switched over to wide receiver, played some special teams, and uh, had a good little career there as, as in. You know, I knew I wasn't going to the NFL, and I knew that this could get me to where I wanted to be and gave me the opportunity to really get into coaching. As I finished up at, at Oklahoma, um, I timed out to where Kevin Wilson, my offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, was accepting the Indiana University head coaching job. And, you know, about a month after he took the job, he offered me a, a QC spot, a quality control spot, and, um, you know, from there, had a few different roles at Indiana. Now we're coaching high school ball about, you know, 20 miles north of Bloomington um, at Martinsville High School. So, you know, that's kind of how I got there. there. Obviously, there's some more details along the way, but that's pretty much a short story. It's a football family. And that's all I really know. That's I, I love talking to the guys that, you know, have, from any walk, but – like me that's just been around football their whole life and it was like um I always kind of grew up with that too it was like uh you always hear on movies or tvs and tv and everyone's 25 and they're like I got no idea what I'm gonna do with my <laughs> life but like same with me I was in third grade or whatever it was and I was like I'm gonna be a science teacher and a football coach because dad's yeah. a science teacher and a football coach yeah no that's exactly right I was uh I, I knew it early um I knew what I was working for and didn't know what I was going to teach. Thought I was going to maybe teach Spanish. Got my science education degree. And, um, you know, I ended up getting my master's at, at Indiana. So now I'm teaching some business classes here and coaching ball. But, yeah, you're exactly right. I, I, I didn't know anything else. I still don't know anything else to a fault. You know, I mean, I get off the football field <laughs> yeah. and I feel like an idiot. So I just think it's funny you get some of the people, you know, that, you know, they talk about the, the coach's sons and the nepotism and things like that. and. I'm like, that, that's any business, you know, and yeah, your dad's successful and doing whatever, you know, if, if you'd have stayed a CPA, you know, maybe you go into that business, but a lot of us grow up, our dads are our heroes. And it's wow. like, man, I, that's, that's the trade that I want to learn. You know, you take over kind of the family business and, and you roll right into it. No, that's exactly right. And obviously working towards the future, that's what I'll want to have once I start having some kiddos. But yeah, man, you look up to the guy, he's having fun. I saw his, his life change from going to, to a C, from a CPA to a coach, and, and I just knew that's what I was going to do. And We always had a great relationship. He was my position coach and my head coach, but, you know, we left, when we left the field house and we left the locker room, he was just dad. And mm -hmm. uh, I thought that was, you know, that was one of the best things that, that you know, I think it really helped our relationship. It, it helped us um, work together as in player and coach. And, you know, obviously if at the dinner table, if I had a question, I'd ask him, but man, he kind of got away from it. Um, whenever we left, so I really appreciated that. Well, how was it moving your senior year? What was what was some of the thoughts that I mean that you had? Your junior year, you win state, um, and, and then as a senior, which you know no one wants to do, especially <laughs> with recruiting, and you just won, and and you met all these people. So, what was that decision like for you, or or how did that come about for you? So we yeah we play um, 
you know, we won a state championship at Shawnee and then um, Broken Arrow, I think, I can't, who was the guy there right before? Jones, dad. I think. Jones, yeah, Rick Jones, who's in Arkansas, um, left. And, and, and obviously that's the biggest school in the state. It would have been a step up for my dad. Uh, they weren't really showing quite the investment that, that he wanted at, at Shawnee. So um, he was looking for something else. Whenever we won it, it helped him out because he was a hot name. Um, and when he, you know, when he wanted that job, it was up to me. And, hmm. you know, my first philosophy when I, when I said yes was, all right, 5A down, 6A to go. You know, it was just like, all right, this, this is a new <laughs> challenge. Not that, not that I just walked my way through 5A, but I was like, all right, let's go on and do something else. Right. I just remember the first time um, driving through Tulsa, pulling up in a broken arrow never been there before and you pull over that overpass over I think it's highway 71 or whatever it is and you can see the stadium and I was in (laughs) I was was sold I was like all right I'm in and uh so you know it it was it was difficult to leave my guys I left uh spring break of my junior year um and still you know almost claim Shawnee as much as I do broken arrow just because I was there for longer and and know those guys um even better than the Broken Arrow guys, but you know it, it was it was a difficult decision. But I think I was mature enough to understand the big picture, and um, you know there's a reason, there's a plan, and, and I just kind of went along with it. Coach, kind of going through you know all all the different coaches and things that you know you've worked for, and obviously your dad being one of them. What do you say has kind of been the biggest influences and things that maybe you've taken away from some of those coaches as you've now gone into the business? Yeah, Dad's definitely been a big part of that. I mean, obviously he. You know, he's the one that kind of opened my eyes to leaving the college level and, and taking a high school job because I just I saw how much fun it was for them. Um, so, you know, that's a huge influence. But, you know, in my time, I was very blessed to, to play for some guys. Um, you know, Josh Heupel was our quarterback's coach, and working yeah. with him was unbelievable. I had three really good wide receiver coaches while I was at Oklahoma, including Kevin Sumlin. Um, you know, and then and then getting up here to Indiana, really being able to dive in to, to learn how to coach. Um, had a really good mentor and Kevin Johns, who just took the OC job at Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say, you know, in my in my time at Indiana, in my time coaching, uh, the biggest influence I have or I've been to me is Seth Luttrell. Yep. Seth at North Texas is, uh, you know, he got up here a few years after I was here. I remember picking him up at the airport and having a yingling for him. And he was like, you're my guy. And uh, <laughs> you know, we, I, had, I had a little red dirt country on the, and he was like, okay, Midwest is going to be all right. So, you know, from then on, me and Seth have always had a really good relationship, try and keep up with him as much as possible. Um, but those are kind of the guys, you know, I, I, I've been really, really lucky to who I've worked with, who I've worked for and who's taught me some stuff. Uh, I, I played for Coach Sumlin as well. I didn't know. I didn't realize that he was at OU at that time. But I mean, I knew he's at OU. But I played with uh, or played for Coach Sumlin as well at Houston, and then yep. um, probably Larry Jackson. He was our yep. strength coach at Houston. I bet he was at OU probably at yep. the same time Larry as well. Was, was just uh, I think my first or second year at Oklahoma. Larry was there, and yeah, Sumy was my my second um, wide receiver coach. I had Daryl Wyatt first, and then Sumlin, and then um, Jay Norvell was my last two years. So wow. It was a really, you know, kind of an all-star cast, and we always joked around how funny and how different all three of them were. We, I mean, <laughs> Coach Wyatt would 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 grind you, and and Coach Summy was just, I mean, he's a character. I love that guy. And then 
Coach Norvell is very, very like you know, kind of strict and 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 follows the rules and little you know little things like little details that he was really good with. So, do you think that benefited you? Because I've always said you know when I went through college, I had I think four different offensive line coaches in five years, and it mm-hmm. and it stunk a little bit being a player. But once I got into the coaching realm, it was like it was the best thing for me because I could pick and choose and almost make a coach out of those four coaches uh, that I wanted. Do you, do you think that benefited you a little bit as, as when you became a coach? You know, I think that you said something really, really key there is, is I learned how to not do things too. Hmm. You know, I mean, you got all those great influences, um, but you learn some things that as a player you don't like, and you learn some things as a coach you don't want to be like. And I think sometimes that's as important as it is to, you know, how do I like coaching these kids? How do I, what's my style? What are my, you know, little sayings? That, those are important, but, you know, how to not do things is sometimes what you remember the most. Coach, and you don't have to name names, but what might be some, some of those things that you're like, you know what, that's, that's not my style? Yeah, I just remember, you know, going from, going from being the guy in a small town at Shawnee to, to playing at the biggest school in the state and being the quarterback at Broken Arrow and then I walked on, and I, I just remember how, you know, our walk-on program at Oklahoma wasn't what it should be. You know, you hear about Texas A&M and Nebraska and how special that is. Ours really wasn't that way. Um, so you kind of went from being a big fish in a little pond to, to, you know, no one even knows who you are and, and getting called bud for the first three years before you're actually playing. You know, nobody knows your name. So that was one of the things that, that I've really um, – tried to install in, in my coaching and, and with my staff of making sure I know every kid's name and, and, you know, having a relationship with each one of them, not just using them for a win on a Friday night, but really trying to help them grow as, as, as men. Um, so, yeah, that's one little thing. You know, I, I, can, I can name specific times where I really recall those negative uh, conversations or negative you know, days, but, you know, you learn from it and you grow from it, and I think I'm better off because of it. Man, and you look at those colleges that you named, and then probably uh, just from reading a an article that I read, probably add Wisconsin in there, and and those big teams, I mean, really make use of their right. walk-on kids. I mean, yeah, and, a, and, 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 and we, we actually, we had a really good job when I was at Indiana, um, and we had quite a few guys that, that were really key players that were walk-ons. Um, but, yeah, we just really didn't quite have that at Oklahoma. I know the, the recruiting was a little bit different at Oklahoma than it was at Indiana because, you know, I think there's an ego sometimes whenever you sign a kid that's a five-star. Sure. He's going to get more opportunities than a kid that walked on. And, um, you know, you just you, – you, I learned from that. And, and, you know, I was – I think I was one of 22 guys that walked on um, in my class, and I was the only one to make it five years. So – Wow. It wasn't for everyone. It wasn't, um, it wasn't the easiest deal, but I knew I wanted to coach, so I kind of looked at it as an internship. Well, that culture, culture that it builds, too, of, of, you know, making everyone a part, but also you get some really, really good players out of that. I remember going to Nebraska, and, and Walls knows it better than I do, so I don't want to butcher it, but it was like they had, um, they had like a whole wall of walk-ons that yeah. I don't know either know if it started or, or went to the pros. you remember which one it is, Walls? Yeah, a lot of them were uh, walk-ons that went to the NFL. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, and what a cool deal. I mean, the, the culture that that brings around everybody just makes now every other person you bring in uh, an even better player and an even better person because it's it's not thought of as like, oh, yeah, just some guy on the team, I guess, that's going to be a dummy. You know, it's it's um, an actual valued uh, player or person. Yeah, and, 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 you know, that goes down to the level that we're at right now in high school and, and with some scout team guys too. I sure. Mean, yeah, it's just you, you can build a program off the guys that aren't necessarily getting the interviews after the game. Um, but you, you need those guys. You need guys that will sell out. And sometimes the guys with big egos need to see those little guys work a little bit, and that can yeah. you know, help them out a little bit. That's exactly what I was going to say, Coach. I, I couldn't agree with you more on that point. I think, you know, you, you see that wall of guys, or, or you see, you know, these guys going up and, and starting it tells that message to the five-star guy like, Hey man, I don't, I don't care what you were ranked. <laughs> you know, you, you're going to come in here. We're going to play the best guy, whether we, we gave him a, a $50,000 scholarship or whether yeah. we didn't give him a dime. Absolutely. So you better work too. No, that's exactly right. One of my, I'm not a big cliche or sayings guy, but one of them that I do put up on my walls is all, you know, it's, it's talking about outworking people. And it's, I'd rather have a hard work than talent type deal. You know, if talent doesn't work hard, then, don't need that so well and then and like you said it even translates to high school probably even more uh in my opinion because you at 15 years old you don't know what a kid's gonna be like at 18 anyways Not i mean you, you got a kid that's a scout team that maybe right. looks like he'd never play but if you really pour into that kid and uh i've said it a million times but you really take scout team seriously and and you sell it to your kids that scout team is serious and it's a big deal then um I think that's kind of what builds a program and, and allows you to have good juniors or, or decent juniors and seniors every year from building those kids' scout team and making scout team a big deal and not like, a, okay, all the kids that aren't any good, go play right. scout team. And, and I'll even yeah, – I, I couldn't agree more, and I'll even take it to the next level. If you, you start going down look at junior high football and, and, and seventh and eighth graders, you have no clue what those kids are going to be like when they're in high school, when they're juniors and seniors, and you need them to – contribute on Friday night so yeah to just you know to make it fun to make everyone feel like they have a role um I just I that's that, that's what I think you need to do at all levels and I know it really helped me out well you seem really passionate about that and about about helping kids just from those few just from these few minutes so it, has that has that seemed to be something that you can you can dive deeper into it at the high school level than you could at college um, I know it is such a business at the college level, and, and it can be a little bit at high school as well, but it seems like a big drop, you know, as far as how big of a business, how cutthroat yeah. it is from college to high school. So uh, has that seemed like something you can, you can dive into even more now that you've, you've uh, went down to the high school level? Yeah, and I would say, you know, individually, I, I still have some guys that I felt like, even as a graduate assistant or, or a recruiting guy, that I had a, a big influence on and will for the rest of their lives at the college level, but there were only a very few. You know, mm -hmm. you go down to the high school level and you're running the show, I got 95 kids that I feel like I can influence. You know, when you're, when you're just a graduate assistant or you're just a wide receivers coach, you know, I've got, you know, three guys that I probably keep up with that I coach. So you go, you go from, from being a position coach in college and I've got great relationships with some of those kids that I coach, but there's five of them. And you go to high school and you're running the show, and there's 95 of them that you're seeing every day that, you know, you know, take in every word you say, like, I mean, you, they just, they love it. You can see it in their eyes. So that's, a, you know, that's the difference. It's not, 
individually. It's just, I think, the, the mass numbers that you can influence. Coach, what's a little bit different, too? You know, I'm, I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in, in South Dakota. So, obviously, there's a, a slight difference between playing high school football in Pierce, South Dakota, compared to, you know, Jenks, Oklahoma, and Broken right. Arrow, Oklahoma. So, you know, what, what are some of the differences you notice, you know, coaching just north of there in uh, the Bloomington area compared to kind of where you grew up? Yeah, you know, where I'm at is Martinsville High School, like, like you said, just north of Bloomington. Um, I'm at a 5A, uh, 5A school, probably one of the, the smallest 5A schools, um, hoping for some realignment changes in, in, in April to take us down to 4A and be one of the biggest. But similar to Oklahoma, it goes up to 6A, and we're one of the smaller ones. I would compare us to um, basically like Ada. You know, Ada's got a little bit more tradition, more success in state championships, but kind of a small town. Um, really, there's only one thing that matters. You know, you cancel Halloween if it's on a Friday night in this kind of town. So, um, you know, I've got that, and, and people really care. Um, from what I hear, Indiana football really, really changed um, when Peyton Manning got popular. Mm-hmm. Indiana's always been a basketball place, you know, the Hoosiers, and it's just basketball, basketball, basketball. Well, Peyton Manning made it important and um, really made high school football a really good deal for, for coaches, um, for the leagues. We'll go out and play, you know, people in Ohio and people in Kentucky and, and compete. I think it's, a, it's one of the better states of football. Now, like you said, you know, it, it's a little different. I, uh, my dad came up and, and on one of their bye games and, and, you know, he, uh, he sat there and he was like, you know, this is still football. It's still really good football. You can, you can be a really good coach. You can run the same type of schemes. It's just a little bit different of a level. So I go back and I watch some of his film and I watch them play against Duncanville, who, um, you know, got beat, got beat in the state championship. And I called him and I said, you know, I, I feel like I got some college football players. I don't know if I could have gained a yard against these guys. <laughs> it's just, you know, and that's the extreme because he's at one of the biggest schools in the state of Texas. Right, right. It is just speed, speed, speed. And, I mean, you can, you, can watch a, you can watch a safety line up at 12 yards deep, take his drop, and then make a tackle for loss. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the biggest difference that I would say with my guys especially. You know, you get some indie schools where they got a little bit more um, you know, display of athleticism, you'll see a little bit more at the bigger schools. But, you know, it's still really good football. There's still really good coaches. We're running all the different schemes that you guys see. And, and Dan Casey is posting on, on Twitter and all that stuff. We do all the same thing. I think it's just a little bit of, you know, at this level, it's just not as big as Texas and Tulsa and and, and southern Oklahoma, it's just it, – it, it's never been that big. It's on its way, but it's just not there. Well, Coach, you talked, you know, obviously going from an assistant in college now now running the show in, in high school, to me the biggest thing, uh, at least when I was in college, the biggest thing that kind of took guys down um, head coaching-wise was was the, the ability or inability to hire a good staff. Uh, was that something that you were anxious or nervous about when, when you did get the head coaching job that – um, you know, the, the decisions of, of who you fill your staff with, or, or how did you even go about that? 100% the biggest challenge I had. Hmm. I mean, 100%. You know, I, I knew some guys, and I had some guys that I wanted to bring with me, but um, none of them were even coaching yet. You know, I, I, I stole a, 
a student coach that was a, basically ran the equipment room at IU who just got his education license and I got him to come you know coach my wide receivers and, and run my equipment room and that role right there is just unbelievably valuable um, I got another uh, he was a, a volunteer quality control at Indiana I got him to come coach my running backs my first year and then now he's at Indiana Wesleyan University coaching running backs and then the, the third guy that I was able to bring in with me was, was a, a kid that played offensive line for us at Indiana and was just coaching one year in high school a little bit north of where we're at now. And I kind of tricked him into coming down and, and being the O-line coach and, <laughs> and, and helping me call plays. So, you know, those three guys were the three I brought with me. And they were all young, and, and I knew them from Indiana. Um, but they were, you know, they were my guys. And then – you know, one thing that I was blessed with is, is my athletic director said, you know, it's up to you who you hire. It's up to you who you keep. So I got mm -hmm. to kind of interview the guys that were there before, guys that wanted to hang around. And, you know, I got to, you know, sell to them that I want them instead of, oh, you know, they're handed to me and they don't owe me anything and there's no loyalty. So that was one of the, the – I got to pick and choose, kind of assigned and, and, and reassigned and shuffled around where I – thought those guys would fit and um you know I, I was like I said it was the hardest thing that I had to do and I think it's also the biggest reason we had early success turning around a place that was one in 19 the two years before I got there and <laughs> we won six our first year and, and eight this last year so we won 14 games and and that that 100 percent is because of the staff I was able to hire coach what's what are some of the things you do I mean Obviously, you had, you know, three or four guys that were on kind of the same page philosophically. But, you know, what, what are some things you're doing to maybe kind of help develop those guys, make sure, you know, that their needs are being met, make sure that, you know, their, their goals are being met? Hold on. I got an idiot basset hound barking at me. You hear him? Yeah. There oh, yeah. Third, third bullets appearance in the podcast. We want to be on, too. Um you know, say that again a little bit. I know you're talking about offensive influences, and then I got a little bit distracted. So <laughs> you're, you're right. What you said I was again. just going to just ask you, you know, what do you do? You know, so you, you are, you know, you're lucky enough to take three or four guys, you know, with you that, that kind of understand what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then and that, and you still have those other guys that want to kind of be developed and, and yeah, grow as coaches. What are you doing for that? That's what it was. I, you know, ironically, the three guys that I was able to bring with me all were working on the offensive staff with me. Um, the defensive staff was guys that I kept on or guys that I promoted from within um, the system. So, you know, offensively, we kind of already had a pretty good feeling of what we wanted to do, how we wanted to coach things, and that's, you know, really why I went after those guys to bring them with me. And then, you know, when, when, when I got there, like I said, they weren't very good. It's a place that historically has been really good, but they weren't good recently. And so as soon as I found the guys that I thought could, you know, coach kids the way I wanted them to coach them, we kind of got on the board. And I said, here's what I did at a similar town in Shawnee, Oklahoma, playing a 4-4 cover three defense. And we were base and we were solid and we knew what to do and we could play fast. So once we just kind of started and got the – you know, the bones of what we wanted to do defensively. I kind of let them run with it with, you know, obviously, you know, working with them for the first time the first year, I, I had my hands on it a little bit to help them out. Um, but really, you know, what they were doing before, they, they were coached by a really 
extremely intelligent defensive coach, but it was too intelligent for high school kids. And we just needed to, we just needed to simplify it and, and have them play fast. So it was actually pretty easy for the defensive staff to kind of understand it. Um, and that helped them, you know, pass that down to their kids. Man, that's one of the big things, especially for offensive line. You know, I can't speak for every position, but um, offensive line-wise, there's so many – not so many, but there's guys out there that are big-time gurus. They know it all. They could tell you every single thing, uh, but, but their kids don't get it. It's too much for their kids, and, and so their kids aren't good at the little things or they're confused because they've got so many things. And, and you know, some, some of those guys and, – and maybe it's me at times, but you just want to tell those guys – Hey, it does really doesn't matter what you know. If your kids aren't out there being able to do it, then then you don't know anything. No, that's exactly right. And and you know, I even look at it too. You know, it, it's such a different level from being a high school to college, just with time. Yes. And, and and you know where you can watch film and how often you can watch film and what they're actually you know hearing and seeing whenever you are watching film. They're usually trying to Snapchat or play Fortnite. So. <laughs> It's just the, the time you have with them, what you can teach them is different. And, um, you know, that, that, that's a, a philosophy that I think really helped us out offensively, especially with my quarterbacks, is I don't put too much on their plates. We like to play fast, and, and whenever we want to mix things up and make them think, they look back to me, and I'm telling them where to throw the ball. Because we do spend the time on it, and I do know it. And I can't expect a 17-year-old, you know, to – to read a cover three, oh, crap, all of a sudden now they're dropping into, you know, quarters and, and here comes a zone pressure. No, they can't do that. So I can see it. Um, my staff can see it. And, and we're really just trying to put them in the right place without putting too much on their, on their um, plate. Coach, what are some of the things you do kind of to, to really get into your offense and teach your stuff maybe in the offseason? Is that something where you guys are getting together? You kind of just let them – you know, decompress, go play other sports, go away. How you guys kind of do it in the off season? Yeah, we. Um, I, I I love multi-sport athletes. Dual sport athletes are you know the, that's what high school high school sports are about. So I always encourage my guys to to play multiple sports. Um, you know, I got a handful of kids that play basketball, and then in the springtime, I would say the majority of them are running track, and then there's a few playing baseball. So. We don't, we don't have spring ball where we are, so we have to do it a little bit different. Um, we're lucky enough, our administration helped us uh, have what we, we call an artesian hour with the Martinsville Artesians. Um, we have an artesian hour in the middle of the day that's not necessarily an athletic period, but you can kind of pick and choose students to come to your class mm. where we can kind of get some things done, get some things taught, um, and then, you know, the, the off-season stuff, we're working out. We have a weightlifting class. Some kids are in there. Some kids are after school with us. Just a little bit different because we don't have the whole team all spring, you know. Um, so that, that, that's a little bit different. I know Texas and I think Oklahoma gets spring ball, and that's, that, that's super beneficial. We don't get that, so we have to steal time and, and get them together in, in different ways. Yeah, we get a spring ball, and, and it's, you know, obviously pretty helpful, but it's it, – you miss out on so much of the summer because our summers are all are all pretty pretty no football except for a few seven on sevens where right um in Iowa like walls uh they don't get a spring ball but all summer they're allowed to not in pads but kind of do whatever it is an hour or a few hours of 
of non-contact practice stuff. Yeah. Which to me, um, you know, yes, you don't get the benefit of hitting, but uh, you do get the benefit of all the stuff that might be just as important as hitting. You know, if you can't get lined up at the right place yeah, and right. go to the right people, who cares how hard you hit? And that's where, you know, we're, we're to the next level of that. Like you said, we don't get spring ball, but we can have 12 padded practices in the summertime. Nice. So, so not full pads, just uppers. Right. Um, yep. But, you know, yep. you, can, you can put a girdle on, and we, we wear some volleyball knee pads. So we're basically full pads whenever we're doing it. You just try they, – they try and have you not tackle and go to the ground. We are actually, at our state, we can scrimmage whoever we want, wherever we want in the summer if you use it as one of your 12 practices. Wow. So, you know, we're at a disadvantage. We're not doing anything in, in March and April. It's probably too cold anyways. But when June gets here, you know, it's kind of a, hey, you time out your 12 practices. You're doing your summer workouts and, and strength and conditioning stuff. But you space it out um, with the practices and with the scrimmages. Um, so that, I think that's, you know, a really good deal for where we're at. We, we can't, we, at my school, we're not going to get everybody there in March anyways. And if we would, you know, it's 25 degrees outside and I sure as heck don't want to be standing out there. <laughs> so How do you, with, with that, those options, like in Oklahoma, there's almost no options. It's like, you've got two weeks and you've got two weeks of practice and you've got like two and a half weeks to fit that in or whatever it is. I'm not sure the exact rules, but there's, there's very little wiggle room. There's very little play with that. Um, and so maybe it's kind of a secret of things. You don't have to give away your secrets if it is, but what's your idea, your thoughts on planning when you plan your practices and uh, do you try to space those out all through the summer or, you know, kind of try to backlog those right before the season or, or what's your kind of thoughts or philosophies with those? Yeah, we, we really do. We try and space them out. And like I said, you know, it's also the same time where you're trying to get bigger and stronger and faster and get in shape. So, you know, we try and not group them all together. That way we can still get good lifts in and get good conditionings in. And then all of a sudden now it's practice day. So, you know, as a football player, as a football coach, um, football gets monotonous. And in the summertime for us, you know, right now we just kind of look at it as a skeleton of we're going to practice on Tuesdays and Thursdays and we're going to lift and run on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. So, um, you know, you, you got you got basically seven weeks to get your 12 practices in. Um, sometimes it's two a week, sometimes it's one a week. But I try and spread them out and um, just, just to give them something different. You know, I, I like to keep them guessing. We like to do something different every day. You can't do the same drills and have the same day and the same pads and just everything always the same. Um, so I like to keep them guessing and, and, and keep their interest in there because, like I said, these kids, you know, they're, they're even more ADHD than I am. So it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's unbelievable sometimes. And then the, the last thing that, that really is different here because of those 12 padded practices, you know, there's no such thing up here as kind of like your two-a-days camp. Like, you don't come in right at the beginning of, of August and get your pads. You already had them all summer. Right. You know, and, and, and you know, that first day of, of season practice is your 13th practice. You know, you kind of you, – you've got everything installed, and now it's, you know, it's almost time to, to game plan. No, I like that better than and, – and maybe if I was there, I'd think the opposite. But that's almost – that's to me better than our spring ball because it almost starts at the exact same time. I mean, we don't get to start spring ball till. Uh, the very last week of of May, so right. I mean, we're basically already in June. 
But yeah. the only fact is at the end of May, now you're no football for two months. Um, good luck with having those kids remember everything you've taught them in spring ball for the, yeah. <laughs> over those two months of summer. You know, I, and yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I love how we do it. Uh, I didn't even know how they did it really. Cause it's just such a foreign concept to me, but just uh, how we've done, it's been really beneficial. And, and like I said, at the very beginning, I encourage kids to go play other sports and, and um, you know, they're not going to be there for my workouts if they're playing baseball, you know, and they're not, they got track meets on the weekend, so I'm not going to make them do, you know, hit each other on Thursday afternoon. So, you know, it, it works really well for us. Um, at my level, I, I assume it does for the even the bigger schools in the state. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you get into you get into August and it's all right. Let's go start school and let's start hitting other people. Yeah, I wish it was more like that in, in Iowa. I mean, we we do have you know once June first hits, you know you you basically have unlimited days with your guys, but you're not in pads. You can be in helmets, right? Um, so you're you know you're not really hitting anybody, and then you can do a, a team camp, which you know is what three days. So you can right. get a, a bunch of hitting there. But, you know, to me, 12 days makes way more sense. And the other thing you run into here is when June 1st hits, that takes the moratorium off for every sport. Well, now you got every basketball camp, you know, every – they're still playing baseball in the summer because yes. in Iowa it's a it's a summer baseball deal. <laughs> yes. I mean, there, there's we, – we, we, deal you know. we deal with that too. That's exactly right. June, everybody, everybody thinks June is their season. Yeah. I, and, <laughs> and, like, sport. and I'm like – yeah, I'm like, dude, you've had basketball open gym now for eight months. You know, I mean, how much more do you need? You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to put a kid out there to get, you know, try to go block a 260 pound person that can take his life. You know, and you want him to go shoot baskets again? Like, come on, bro. Right. right. No, I, I agree with you completely. So there is, and that's again, that goes back to the dual sport thing. It's good to get, it's good to get the heck away from what you do all the time. You know, I mean, like I said, football's monotonous. So is basketball. So is baseball. If you're yeah. playing baseball ten months out of the year, which some of these kids are, not doing anything else, I mean, you're going to be burnt out before you even get to go play at your junior college baseball league, which is what most of them do. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it, man. It's like I said. I mean, they, they they keep taking away some of your prep time, and it's like th this is the most physically demanding sport there is. And you know, you you guys have to lift, and you guys have to learn how to you know, to hit correctly and get tackled and fall down, you know, that that's not happening anymore. You know, we, they're not, not nearly as rough as it used to be when, when we were younger here, I, here I go sounding old, you know, but, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's just kind of the, the nature of the beast, I think. So it's weird how it's like, yeah, we, we want you still to do these things, but we're, we're going to really hold back. So yeah, I, I think it, your guys system sounds really, really good. It's been, it's been pretty good. So, you know, I, I'm obviously pleased with it and it works for us. And, you know, I know we don't do everything like I would want to in this state with, with how they, how they run the football. Uh, you know, the IHSAA isn't isn't as good as like the UIL or even what you do in Oklahoma. Um, but that I think they've done really well and got that figured out pretty good on the spring ball slash summer ball. Well, coach, obviously the big thing, uh, at least for us, especially linemen, but I think probably at every position, just in football in general, is is um, is the weight room. You know, and that's what uh, I think really puts the good teams, uh, puts the better teams in front of the good teams is their their kids that aren't very good are at least strong uh, so they can they can at least hold in there. They can be, um, you know, less prone to injury. Uh, at least if you've got a, a strong, bigger kid, you know, playing four technique, 
maybe he's not a great athlete, a great player, but at least he's bigger, he's stronger, um, and, and he's not a weakness necessarily to your team. Uh, and, and then so you kind of talked about in your offseason and, and just how your school has it split up. You know, some guys are in it maybe during a weightlifting class and some guys have to come get it after school. So how, do, how does your offseason weight program work? And because I'm assuming it's, it's just as important there as anywhere. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it, it's a, it's a really big deal for us. And when I got here, I remember that the, they announced me as the, the head football coach and it was at a, a basketball game at halftime. And I just remember sitting there in the first half thinking, crap, man, all my guys are a lot smaller than that team. <laughs> so, you know, when I got here, we really, we really did need to emphasize, um, you know, the strength and the size and, and what you can affect. Um, Art Browles said it once, I can't really control how tall you are, but I can control how big and strong you are. And, you know, that's kind of a philosophy that I have. You know, if a kid wants to get bigger and stronger, all he's got to do is just work a little bit harder and do a little bit extra and do be different than he was the year before. Um, so, you know, that's that's something we stress. It's something we, we push. We know we're not going to be the biggest, strongest, fastest team. Um, so, you know, we work pretty hard and understand where our advantage is in that stuff. What are some things you guys kind of put an emphasis on, Coach? Are you guys big on, you know, a power clean? Are you guys big on measuring verticals? I mean, you, you hear so many different philosophies based on strength and, you know, trying to, to push kids and give them goals. Like, what, What's kind of your guys', you know, off-season philosophy in that regard, and what are you guys tracking? Yeah, our um, the first thing, you know, we go with the, the main three core lifts of, of clean bench and squat, you know, from, mm -hmm. from there, obviously our strength coach kind of has his own plan and does all the supplemental lifts and all the little things um, that he probably knows even better than I do. But when I look at a kid and I, like I said, when I, when I can affect what they do is I want to be able to measure something. I playing at Oklahoma, we never really were a one, uh, one rep squat max place it what it just wasn't it wasn't what their philosophy was it wasn't I guess he didn't believe it was you know extremely safe so I've never been a one rep um, squat guy uh, but I think you can test clean and I mm -hmm. think you can test bench and really see um, you know the, the growth in a kid and, and how, how hard they have been working and then you know the, the next two tests that, that we do is, is we want to see a vertical I know you can see some you can really see some explosion in a vertical and then I'm a firm believer that the 5105 is the best thing for a football player. Yep. You know there, there's very very few times in a game when you're running a 40 um, but there's a lot of times where you got to change directions. So when we're looking at things that we can get better at um, you know big focus on those three core lifts uh, we want to stretch as much as possible just for flexibility flexibility equals speed for us. And then, um, you know, we want to test bench. We want to test clean. We want to test vert and, and really see how they move with the 5 10 5. Testing week's always the best, uh, at, at least for an offensive line coach. It almost sometimes, because we've got a strength coach as well, you know, he's the, it's all he does is he's a strength coach. But uh, so you're not as active as an offensive line coach as probably at most high schools you would be. So you're kind of, right. you know, get lulled into, <laughs> especially, you know, going from January till, till, uh, almost June, it gets a little monotonous. So yeah. uh, test day is always fun, fun for me. And, and we do the same thing. And I think it's, it's extremely smart. I'm so glad we do it. Just like you guys is, is uh, we, we're, a, we're not a single rep max squat team. Yeah. You know, I, I think yeah. that um, 
if the whole, you know, the whole point for a strength coach is to have guys healthy and as strong as they yes. can. And yes. so if you've got a bunch of guys injured from doing a one rep squat and it's whatever, 600 pounds, but they're injured, uh, then, then you didn't get your team any better. No, I, I agree completely. And that's, you know, that's a, it's something, you know, sometimes you got to, you got to find when you talk about hiring your staff and everything, getting a strength guy is, is vital. Um, you need somebody that's on the same page as you. I was lucky enough to inherit a guy that's pretty good. And, and then he's a, he's a younger guy. So he's not one of those guys that's stuck in his way. So he, uh, he's really kind of adapted to what specific things I want and what the other coaches want you know my o-line coach like i said played at indiana so he's got some o-line philosophies that he really you know prefers in the weight room and and um you know we do that and kind of adjust on the fly and you know this year we're going to be really small offensive line wise last year we were really big so we just have some different things that we can work on to to try and get those kids you know in the best position to help us win games on friday nights you know what one of the um one of the things that like i said when when i got there I didn't think we were very big. I didn't think we were very strong. And I knew that I was going to ask them to work harder than they ever have and do some things they never have. And to get them to do that and to get them to buy in, which they did immediately, is me and most of my staff did the entire workout with our kids. Awesome. So, you know, you're not asking them to do something that's just absolutely ludicrous, absolutely crazy. You're doing the same workout. And they're seeing you sweat. And they're seeing how hard it is on you kind of makes it fun it's a little bit of a bonding deal but you know it, it just get, it gained their trust on oh he's not like when am I ever going to use this or what? There, there's there's none of that because you got an old old balding white guy that's doing trying to do the same thing as these 16 year olds so it's pretty fun well then I and I would have to assume that that having some coaches I know if whenever I was in, in high school it would have been a, a huge deal to me but you've got a couple coaches um, that are several coaches that came from a college came from coaching yeah. college football uh, and now they're your high school coaches one of them you know like you said if you're an offensive lineman and and your offensive line coach came from playing at Indiana it, yeah. it's got to be a big deal to those guys is that when you guys were first trying to get that buy-in, was that something you guys tried to play up a little bit? I don't want to say play up because that almost sounds like phony, but is that no. something that you guys like, you know, kind of showed those guys and, and did you see any buy-in because of that? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, um, there's some, the credibility factor on a guy that looks, yeah. you know, quite a bit different than everybody else on your team. And that, that was, you know, playing at the, in the big 10, you know, 20 miles south of where you're growing up, there's a credibility factor immediately when he walks in the door. Um, I, got, I, was, I was able to hire another guy that, that just got his medical hardship at Indiana this year. So he came and coached my outside linebackers. And, and uh, you know, he walks in that first day and he's a yoked up dude. He's got his dreads. And these guys are like, okay, you know, he looks different than us. We, we, we're going to listen to what he says. He obviously did some crazy good things. So, <laughs> You know, there's there's a credibility when you walk in, and and the the guys that have the appearance, and then in the same way, um, you know, one of the guys I hired didn't have that physical credibility appearance, wasn't a big time player, but you can sell that and 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 show people, you know, why that why that coach is going to be successful and what he does great, and really kind of you know help him out with his credibility with just kind of you know a little bit of you know good publicity for a guy. Yeah, and a lot of times those guys can go out and you know, all of a sudden they, they know what they're talking about. They know how to reach, 
you know, you'd said yeah. earlier in the podcast, you know, th- those are the kind of guys that maybe, you know, hey, I, I knew it was like to be a walk-on. I knew it was like to be, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guy on the on the third team and, and have to so, grind a little bit. So I think that gives that instant credibility to a lot more guys. And, hey, those are friends with other people. They see they know what they're talking about. They're like, yeah, all right, I'm down with it. No, there's no doubt. And, that you know, it's not a trick, but in the same way, you know, you got to do whatever you can to, you know, make sure a kid's bought in and make sure that he, he trusts what you're doing and um, what you're telling him to do. Coach, I'm, I'm kind of curious and kind of the question I always ask everybody that seems to be, uh, you know, kind of come from this angle, but I'm assuming uh, playing just to be at OU obviously is, is a, you got to be a really good player, but um, you're obviously probably don't look like, uh, um, you know, Hollywood Brown or Malcolm Kelly or any of those guys at OU, but, but you still found a way to, uh, you know, play receiver at OU. So to me, that was kind of the way I was going through high school and college. It was like I wasn't one of those top, top athletes, but to just be on the field or just be on the team, I had to learn all the little things. I had to perfect all the little bits, all the little, you know, the the craft of it uh, and had to find every, I don't want to say cheating because I wasn't cheating, but every little um, advantage that I could find. And, and I've always thought that that really helps guys when they go into coaching. Have you noticed that at all, at least as a, maybe not as a head coach or coordinator, but at least as a, as a position type coach uh, that you did have to learn all of the technique, all of the, the little advantages just to, um, you know, be on the same field as, as some of the freak athletes that, that a place like OU has. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, that, like you said, like that was the way I could get on the field because I did the little things right. And I did the little extra things, but I also was intelligent enough to know. And, and some things that I pass on to my kids is, is I, you know, I want them to, be able to, like you said, find the little things that maybe the, the, the best athlete doesn't know. You know maybe it's mm-hmm. intelligence, but maybe it's just a, a little easier way to do this certain thing. All right, let's simplify it for you. Here's how I would do it. Um, so that, that kind of stuff is, is you know, really good for, for guys in their confidence. Like here's something that this guy across from you that's going to Iowa, uh, he doesn't know. Here's something where you can beat him at with just a little bitty simple thing. Um, so, you know, that's how I was as a receiver, really learning how to you know, run routes and, and, and making sure when the ball was in the air that I was going to come down with it, little things like that, little things in the weight room with exercises that can just, you know, sometimes you're going to struggle with something, you're not very good at it. Well, how can you make yourself you know, better at it, but how can you make it easier on yourself too? It's so cool, and to me, it's one of the the favorite parts I have of coaching is when you start to see you know that position group or that crew of guys that you're working with, and if you're a head coach, obviously it's the whole team. But when you start to see guys helping each other with with those little things, you know, when the offensive line's given the the second unit a couple of of hints here, or they're they're pushing guys that are, hey man, I know you're a sophomore right now, you're, you're not strong yet, but dude, you, look how far you've come. You're, you're going to keep going and those words of encouragement and then you know the the fifth string guy who's the best friend of the the big time guy so you know you keep him pumped up you keep him happy and he makes a big play and everyone goes crazy you know when he catches a now screen you know for four yards late in the game but you know it it, but it means something you know to me those are always the the coolest things because it, it, it just I think those are the things you carry forward in life you know hey we we all have a role we all help each other out and we're all going to celebrate when, when things go well. It doesn't matter who it is. Yeah, and you see kids that do that kind of thing, and you, and you already know that that kid's going to be successful in whatever he, you know, whatever he does in life. It's awesome to see that kid that, you know, 
was all conference last year as a junior and now going into his senior year that'll you know get in there and spot a, a freshman in a bench press you know he don't he doesn't even know if the kid knows his name but um to see you know those those the older kids the kids grow into leadership roles you know i think that's you know is one of the most rewarding things you can do if you you've taught them how to do that if you've shown them the way and now they're going on and doing it i mean mission accomplished coach looking at your offense and in, in, in high school to me is where i'm most interested in this but um because in college you get to recruit the kids that you want for your system uh whereas in high school as you know uh you get the kids that you get and you try to make them as good as you can but you really have to morph your offense like you've kind of said into what kids do we have this year? Yep. Is, is that one of the first things that you guys look at in the off season with, with your new group, you know, season's over and then you start looking, okay, what do we have? And then how do we mold uh, our offense to, to fit our personnel? No, I think that's, that, that, that's exactly right. And you have to do that. I think to not do that is, is ignorant. I mean, you gotta, you can't run the high formation if you don't have, a fullback and a big running back like it's just a fact fact of life I'm going from having a 6'2 210 pound quarterback that could run to a 5'10 kid that can absolutely spin it so we're gonna have to change um we had we had three offensive linemen that weighed over 280 pounds each last year and now I'm gonna have five offensive linemen that are gonna be around 215 each so there are things that you have to change year to year but I also am a firm believer and there are some things that no matter who's out there, you don't change. Mm -hmm. We don't change the fact that we know we have to go fast. That is, we're not big, we're not, not bigger than everybody, we're not stronger than everybody, we're not faster than everybody, but we can play faster and that's a huge advantage for us. So yeah, if we're changing scheme wise, if your personnel is maybe a little bit different, if your you know, run pass ratio changes year to year, game to game, but one thing that we firmly believe in and our kids buy in on is, is we're going to be so up-tempo that we're going to have an advantage on who we're playing against. I love what you're saying there too, Coach, because I think, you know, again, you go wholesale changes, you know, that, that the kids pick up on that and all of a sudden they panic, you know. All of a sudden you say, well, we're not going to be very big up front. We're not going to be this. They start thinking that. When, when all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're still going to run inside zone. I don't care if you guys are – 280 or 215 we're going to find a way to do it maybe we're fold blocking or maybe we're you know changing up some of the calls and some of the matchups we might have to do but we're going to find a way to do that but then again okay maybe we don't make a living doing it you know so I think you make a great point there it's not ever going to be wholesale change it fits the system but hey here's our non-negotiables yeah. we're still going to do what we do yeah no I mean that's exactly right I mean like you said you're gonna we're gonna run inside zone how we're gonna run it could be a little bit different each year um you try i i do think though you don't you don't want to change too much stuff up week to week you do you do yep. want to have something that you believe in something that you're repping in those june practices that you're still going to call in october um you know I, I i really firmly believe in that how things do you know what the percentages are that might change but you got to find what you're going to do you got to start doing it early and you got to continue to do it um, everybody's really good with a pen in their hand and can draw up all kinds <laughs> of crazy plays. Um, but if your kids haven't repped it and don't have those bank reps, it's, it's not as good, you know, just run inside zone, run power. Uh, we've done it thousands of times. You know, we don't need to all of a sudden this week put in GT full. We never done it before. Yeah. It's a great play. We've never done it before. So little things like that. I, you know, I think that's a, 
part of a philosophy. Yeah, you change with your kids and, and year to year, um, but you know you need to have you need to have what you believe in and what you're selling to the kids, and that needs to be a staple. Coach, obviously, with an up tempo uh, offense, like you said, that, that does have so many advantages to it. Uh, one of the the big off season things, uh, at least for me, when we were running it in college, was was uh, conditioning. Right, and yep. I would assume it's even more in high school because you'll have a few of those guys or several, just depending on your group, uh, that'll be going on defense as well. And yep. so, you know, the conditioning and and not uh, not old school like everyone run a bunch of hundreds and 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 go run a couple miles. It's a different type of conditioning, but I would assume that's extremely important to you guys as well. Is that something that you guys try to do uh, mainly through your your tempo and practices? Or, or what are some of your philosophies with that to have your guys in condition to be able to do that? And, and um, you know, kind of just as, a, as an extra added thing is, is that there's nothing better than, than – maybe there's a few things better, but there's not hardly anything better than when you're in a lot better condition than another team <laughs> and you see them dying in the third quarter. No question. Well, I'll go back to the very, you know, very beginning and, and talk about our philosophy and conditioning and something that I was just lucky enough to stumble upon and, and we've kind of lived by it is, is we don't, we don't run for punishment at Martinsville. Mm -hmm. When you do something stupid, when you do something, you know, that, that kills the team, whether it's in a game, a 15 yard penalty or getting an ISS or getting logged for something, we don't run for that. We run so we can kick someone's tail across from us on Friday nights. So our kids understand when we're running, why we're running. It's not punishment. They believe in it. They know it's to our advantage, and they kind of have a little fun with it. You know, running for big guys isn't the funnest thing ever. But when you know that the, the, the three technique across from you is going to have his hands on his hips and not even be in his stance whenever you're coming off the ball on inside zone, I can run an extra gasser on that. Yes. You know? And uh, so, so, you know, we, we do that. Um, we, we do try and practice as fast as possible. We don't have as, you know, with the numbers we have, we don't have as great of a, of a scout team or scout team look that we get. So we can't go super uber fast in practice. We will on air quite a bit just to get our tempo in. Um, but, you know, that's the thing is, is when we run, we run so, so we are benefiting from it on Friday night. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's something that I stumbled upon, something that I firmly believe in. Uh, you got other guys that, that you know, running's punishment, and, and that's their deal, you know. To, to, to make a kid do rolls across the field has absolutely zero football skill um, improvement. Well, <laughs> they hate it. <laughs> so, you know, I can get them to uh, – they're going to roll if they screw up, and then they're going to run so they can win. Makes sense, man. It's all about a mindset. You know, it is. And, and, and I was, you know, I'm, I'm at a blue collar town. It, it is it, it, kids that, that want to work hard. Their, their dads and grandpas were extremely successful with multiple undefeated years. They, there's a great following, a great history. So they bought in pretty early and they were, they were willing to change to, to uh, turn the place around really early. Um, and I was just, I would say I'm a little bit lucky in that way. But, again, with who I hired and, and what we're selling to those kids, how we're selling it, um, I had no doubt in my mind that we were going to be able to do that stuff. Well, Coach, uh, you know, the, the last question that I like to ask everybody, uh, I always like to, to ask, uh, if you're watching another team's offensive line, 
Uh, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Um, you know, I think there's a, there's a fine line in what I like to see and then what I want my kids to do. I like to see an O-lineman be a little bit of a dirt ball. You know what I mean? I just I, – I like it. It's a it, – I never played the O-line, but I can only imagine it's not very fun. you gotta find, you got to find something to make it fun. So I love when I see film on another guy and, and you see a guy, you know, blocking a guy all the way to the sideline. Or you see a guy, you know, blocking his guy out of the camera. I love stuff like that. And that's an edge and that's a motor that I love seeing O-linemen. Now, obviously, that, that comes from the coach. Now, I don't like seeing guys being cheap shot artists and, and right. throwing punches and, and costing their team stuff. That's not the kind of dirtbag I want. I want a guy that just likes to physically punish the guy in between the whistles, you know, have the guy talk a little trash back to him, laugh at him, and go do it the next play. I think, yeah, if I could have five of those guys every single year, I, I, would, I, would, never, I would never, ever leave the job yeah. that I would have. And, yeah, and honestly, it, it makes watching film so much fun when you got guys like that because there's always so many cool things that you get to check out and find that, you know, you miss during the game. No doubt. And, and where you, you know, where I think we can get better, I think we're, we're, we've been pretty good O-line wise and I think they're coached really well. But I think that can even come across in practice even better and better. You know, it needs to it needs to be a thing that you're doing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays when you're when you're padded up, and uh, not just expecting yourself to do it on a Friday. Um, so, you know, I, I I like to see those guys that way. And obviously, when you're blocking your brother in the same color as you um, all year, it's a little bit different. Um, there's not a, there's not as much hatred across the ball from you, <laughs> but you know, just to to have that motor and to have that. I guess I would, you know, like I said, a little bit of a dirt bag in you. I just, I think it's, it's fun to see, fun to watch. No doubt, Coach. Man, it's been a, it's been a blast getting to talk to you. You know, sometime I get up through the, the Indiana area. I've been to Bloomington one time, so uh, if, if I ever get a chance to get back out there, man, we'll, we'll definitely have to hook up. Appreciate it's you coming a, on. Yeah, it's a good little place. I got one more story for you that I need to tell you. All right. So, I whenever we got to Shawnee, Oklahoma. Jay Wilkinson was my dad's first wide receiver coach. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> okay? Now, I don't know Coach Wilkinson as Coach Wilkinson because whenever we got to Shawnee, he was, you know, obviously quite a bit younger. It was 2000, and he acted like a little kid. <laughs> and I don't know who it was. I think it was our senior quarterback that nicknamed him Winky because it was right when Chris Winky was like 28 and playing college football, you know, being a little kid. So I've known Wilkinson, and you can tell him this, I've known him as Winky for, you know, 18, 19 years. <laughs> that's the best thing I've heard on this podcast in make, two make years. Sure, make sure that he knows that stuff. And, <laughs> and, uh, tell him to keep calling Doppler and all those goofy plays he called at UCO. And, and, and you guys, good luck again. We'll win another state championship. He, he got completely away from his UCO, his UCA, UCO days. Well, we can we're, score at UCO. I didn't even tell you about that part of my story. That was my sixth year of college football. I played at UCO for Winky. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never, I've never heard that name. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad now that I have because yeah. that's going to be great. I've always, yeah. I've always got to have things to hold over, over, over Wilt. Uh, he'll be, he'll be pissed at me for it, but you know, we, we, had, good. we had, a, we had a great relationship, and I love keeping up with, with Wilk and all those guys. And, 
but he's turned over a new leaf now. We were, we were, um, I don't know that we were in a, a four receiver set hardly at all this year. Well, that happens with the guys that you have. I saw your game versus Mansfield. Like, I'd do exactly what you did, too. Um, but, yeah, that's a new leaf for him would be not having four Red Bulls before practice. Well, that's, that's not it. That's, that's He's the, still doing that. But it's, that's it's the, the uh, – that that But it's not diesel anymore. He's, he, he's gone to the diet. He's sugar-free. He and, it, huh? Yeah, he's – He's sugar free now, and so he's. Uh, I think he's trying to be healthy, but I had to tell him I don't. I still don't think that's the best for you. <laughs> no, not at, all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, ask 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 Wilkinson about some stories we got from Edmund, and uh, he'll be able to tell you about my year up there. Whenever you guys are just sitting around BSing in in the, in the coach's staff room. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.